following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Scandalizzo, the word offence, scandalizzo. Basically what it means is that there is a potential for you to fall into a trap. And it's taken from a Greek word which literally means the trigger of a trap on which rests a bait. And so what happens is this, that the animal goes to the bait and when it takes the bait, it sets off the trigger and the trap entraps the animal and the animal is trapped. What the scripture is using is that very word of the trigger of the trap that's designed to entrap you. You say, how does that relate to me? Well, this is, what, this is how it relates, that, that when you get offended, it is actually the trap that's designed to capture you and hinder you from being free. Matter of fact, John Bevere has written a book called The Bait of Satan. And his whole premise is this, that offense is actually the bait that Satan uses to trap you and remove your freedom. And specifically, the trap is used to trap birds. And once the bird goes into that little trap, it can't fly anymore. And how sad it is to stop a bird from flying. I really believe that one of the the designs of the enemy for your life is to stop you from flying. To stop you from being all that God wants you to be. And the trap that he uses is the trap of offense. And so this morning, I'm going to try to share with you how to live life unoffendable. Offendable. You say, how does it relate to you? Well, hey, I'm going to be open with you this morning and and just talk to you about some of my journey and, and the fact that I actually went through a season in my life where I would get easily offended. And um and and let me tell you where it happened. It happened in my home. It happened with my wife. And so Anne would say something or do something that I would take offense to. Not that she did it meaningfully. Not that she did it purposely. Just inadvertently. But I would get offended. And so the response would be the oomphs. And the manifestation of that would be a limitation of communication. See, one of the most beautiful things in relationship is depth of communication. And, and so there are many different levels of communication. And, and so you, go, you have level one communication, which is, hello, how are you? Level two communication, where, nice day, isn't it? Level three communication, where, where, where you start talking about what you did through life. And then level five is where you open up 
your whole life and you talk about your vision, you talk about your dreams, you talk about your, your aspirations, you also talk about your fears, you go right down to the depths of your life. And, and to get to level five is, and you can't live on level five every day, but when you get to level five, that's what creates intimacy in, in relationship. And so what would happen, I'd get into the oomphs, I'd get offended, and, and I would limit Anne to only level one, level two, at the very most, level three communication, but no way go down to level four and level five, which is where we enjoy depth of relationship. And, and basically it became the silent treatment. And then the other manifestation is my side of the bed, your side of the bed, and there is a chasm in between. And not even the angels of God can go from one side to the other side. <laughs> and, and it just becomes so childish when you look at it in the cold light of day. But when you're caught up in it, it's like, she offended me. She's got to pay. I'm going to talk to you later on how I overcame that. Anyone interested? Okay. You're saying, Pastor John, I can't believe that you behaved so childishly. (laughs) I hang my head in shame. But I'm going to share with you how I overcame that. So that's, that's, that's the crux of the thing. Anne and I, uh, when we first started ministry, lived in Adelaide, and there were some distant relatives that we had in Adelaide. And it was very interesting distant relatives because they were actually related to a relative of a relative. But because... It, I told you it was distant. But because we were sort of semi-related, they would come to visit. And uh, one of the sisters, there were two sisters that lived together. And they were spinsters, they were elderly. I won't even go anywhere near what age they were. Just leave it as elderly. And dangerous drivers on the road, incidentally, as well. (laughs) But what we discovered was this, that these two sisters actually lived together in the same house. But 20 years previously, an offence had taken place. And these sisters, living in the same house, had not talked for 20 years. In the same house but had not talked for 20 years. And uh, you reckon that's an achievement in itself? It's, oh, okay, I thought you said that's an achievement in itself. Fact is that an offence took place and it just cut off communication. We're not even talking, you know, level one and level two. Total cut off. You live on your side of the house, I'll live on my side of the house, and we just... You do your thing, I'll do my thing, but we're not going to talk. What, what an insidious thing. Let me make this statement for you. I believe that at the root of every broken relationship is offense. If you look at any broken relationship, and maybe you're sitting here today and you have loved ones where your relationship has been broken, I guarantee that if you trace it back, the root of that broken relationship is offense. 
offense, offense, offense. It's the very thing that breaks relationships. Well, what is offense? Well, offense is to cause displeasure, to cause anger, to cause resentment or wounded feelings. And in other words, just for you to remember it, we get offended by hurts, hits, and hates. Just that's, that's what offends us, the hurts, the hits, and the hates. And you know what? You don't have to look very far to find the hurts, the hits, and the hates. Matter of fact, you might have one of those hit you today. Before you leave church, someone can say something. Matter of fact, it could even come from the senior pastor. He could inadvertently walk straight past you and not say hello and hurt you. <gasps> he doesn't like me. I'm never going back to this church anymore. What is that? Let, let, let me be on record by saying this. I love you. <laughs> Put it on record. I'm the godfather. I love you. The other day, I just hugged everybody. I mean, man, woman. If a dog came on the stage, I would have hugged the dog. Even a cockroach, I would have hugged it. It's just it's anybody. I, I love people. So I'm not going to ever go out of my way to ignore you. But it can seem that way when, when I'm, I'm, I'm trying to connect with so many people. It can seem that way. But you know what? If you feel that, that I've offended you, come and talk to me about it. Let's get it sorted. Let's get it right. But don't walk away in a half. That's, that won't do you any good. It won't do me any good. Just understand this, that, that, that offense is out there. And what we need to do is inoculate us out of offense so that we become unoffendable. Come on, let, let me just say something emphatic here. You can't stop people offending you. Everybody say it together. But what you can't stop is living offended. I need you to get that in your spirit. Why is that? Because, you know, Anne loves me passionately. I love her passionately. She never went out of her way to offend me. But sometimes I interpreted what she did as offense. And vice versa. And so, so what happens is this, it's impossible to surround yourself with people that will 100% of the time always do what you want them to do. It's impossible. Anne and I love each other passionately and we have a superb marriage. But offense is easy. But what we need to do is become unoffendable. And then life becomes even sweeter. So, so, what, so I, I love this statement. We can't stop the birds of the air flying over our heads, but we can stop them making a nest in our hair. And sometimes the birds of the air will not only fly over your head, but drop some big ones on you. <laughs> I, we, we went for a walk, when was it, last year at, at, up there at, uh, at, at Chili Beach, at Manly. And uh, just, just on the way past the Fairy Bower Cafe, there's, there's this interesting little, little passage that you've got you to walk under. And over the top are electrical wires. And you've got these seabirds that love sitting up there. And sometimes there's four or five. And on this particular day, I guarantee 
that, uh, that they had a conference. <laughs> These four seabirds. And they said, here comes Anne Juliana. <laughs> so birds, when I give you, when I give you the sign, we'll open up the heavens. <laughs> and needless to say, when Anne got under that very spot, the whole four seabirds opened it all up and they dropped on her from the top of her head down to the bottom of her feet. She got plastered. It was just unbelievable. Now, everything inside of me wanted to laugh. But I knew that it would cause offense. <laughs> And so rather than laughing, I, I, I had compassion. Now, I had a little bit splattered all over me, but poor Anne had it all over her head. Now, now this, that was the end of the walk. That was it. We've got to go home in the car. And, and, and then the fear that maybe there was lice and there were all sorts of little things eating through a skull into her brain. I, I, I mean, the paranoia then sets in. It was just awesome. And, and everything inside of me wanted to laugh. But I controlled myself because I knew that would be offensive. And all I did is, it's okay, sweetheart. We'll just, we're going to go home and, and shower. And as soon as we got in, every single bit of, had to go through disinfection. And it was just unbelievable. It wasn't quite time to say, one day you're going to laugh at that. Because there was no humor involved in it at all. It was the end of the world. But now we can laugh about it, can't we, sweetheart? We can. And every time we take our friends, it's still to this day, the trauma sets in. Within 20 paces of that spot, Anne's... Classic. It really is classic. It's beautiful. And just a teaser, I just don't even look up and I just say, Come on, I dare you. Give it your best shot. Ah, I'll beat you. That's men for you versus women. Anyway, point that I make is this. That, yeah, no need to make a point over a funny story, but it's a point that I make is that you can't stop what goes on in your life around you but you can't stop absorbing it. So, so you can never avoid someone offending you. But what you can avoid is living offended. That's your choice. So, so you said, but, but, but you know, what do I do with people that constantly offend me? Well, set boundaries. Set boundaries. Boundaries are okay to set. You know, it's, it's, it's not right for someone to constantly abuse you. You know, if, you've, if, if, if you have a relative that every time you meet with them is going to abuse you, then maybe you need to limit your visits. And maybe when you visit, you need to prepare yourself, get, some, get Helen to do intercessory prayer for you or <laughs> something like that. But just understand that some people, every time they open their mouth, they're going to say something stupid. But you've got to work that one out and say, you know what? That's their issue. I'm not going to make their issue my issue. Now, some of you have got parents like that. And you have to go visit your parents. But every time they open their mouth, they say something discouraging. And I guarantee that they were brought up in a household just like that. It was probably they go back to their parents and their parents were discouraging towards them. 
and probably their grandparents were discouraging towards them. But someone's got to draw a line in the sand and say, I want to be the first of my generation that's not going to speak like that or behave like that or act like that. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. And if that's the way my parents behaved and my grandparents and my great-grandparents, well, no longer I'm going to be the prophet of encouragement. I'm going to speak encouragement wherever I go. And then you just brace yourself and, and just pray for them and say, Lord, I really feel sorry for those type of people that just can't bring themselves to say anything positive. But I'm not going to open up my heart to get wounded by them because I'm going to build a boundary and just be nice to them. That makes you a big person, not a small person. The other thing I want to say to you is, is don't learn the culture of offense. The culture of offense is something that I was brought up in. Can I just say to you that there are many nationalities in this world that have a culture of offense. And Italians, especially Southern Italians, they have a culture of offense. Now, this is what I find. I find that the people that are the most generous, who have a culture of generosity, on the flip side are also the people that have a culture of offense. It's like... The two go hand in hand. The most generous cultures are also the most offensive cultures. And it's like, come on, can't we find middle ground somewhere? And so I, I've determined that I will not be confined by a culture of offense or manipulated by a culture of offense. So, so, so here it is, you know... Uh, Italian culture, this is the way the offense works, okay? If you go into an Italian house, you've got to eat. You've got to eat. And so they put the food on the table, and, and the response is, now, if you don't eat, I'll get offended. But, you know, I'm full. No, 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 you've got to try this, and you've got to try that, and you've got to try this. And, 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 and it's like, oh, man. And so, and so my poor wife, when she came into that culture for the first time, she did not want to offend anybody. And so, you know, so I, I take it to all my relatives, and she didn't fully understand the culture, but it was my fault because I didn't fully explain it to her. Maybe I didn't fully understand it myself. Anyway, what would she go with? And they put food on the table. Now, she thought that the culture of offense was you've got to eat everything that's on your plate because that's the way that she was brought up. She didn't fully understand that as soon as your plate gets empty, that's the sign for someone to fill it up. <laughs> and so... <laughs> and after about a week of this, poor Anne, she is just clogged up. I'm telling you, man, she's in... Pain. She's in agony. Wow. You don't have to write that one down, Dane. It's okay. You're taking notes there. On the phone. You just want to learn. And so she's saying, I'm just trying to be a good wife. And I'm just, you know, this is, this is, how do you survive in this culture? I, I, sorry, I forgot to tell you. The way to stop them putting stuff on your plate is leave something on the plate. Why did you tell that me before? It saved me a lot of heartache, you know. And, and, but, but this culture of offense is, is there in so many cultures. And, and, and I know not only in Italian culture, South American culture, Asian culture, where the culture of offense, you've got to be so careful. And, and I know 
when I go overseas, the last thing I want to do is create a fence. And so I, I do my homework to find out what do I got to do to not be offensive. But see, the point is that I try when I'm in someone else's culture to fit in. But I'm talking about you this morning. I'm not talking about other people getting offended. I'm talking about you getting offended. Because I can't stop other people getting offended. But I'm here to try to inoculate you from getting offended. So this is really important for you to understand this. Beware of the culture of offense. Now, emotional health involves not carrying offense. You want to be emotionally healthy? Who wants to be emotionally healthy? Yeah. See, there's three parts of this. There's our physical part, there's our emotional part, and there's our spiritual part. And if you want to be healthy, you have to address those three areas. You know, you know what happened to me at the beginning of the year? I, you know, I, I realized that I was spiritually healthy, I was emotionally healthy, but I wasn't physically healthy. I was, I was physically alive, but not physically healthy. And I thought, you know, that's not right. Not, not for me as your pastor. I, I need to get all three areas of my life lined up. And so I then specifically made it a goal to get physically healthy. And, and, and in the last three months, you've been able to see the changes that, that have occurred in me to get physically healthy. And, and it has. It's happened. You know, my blood pressure medication has gone down. I'm feeling so much fitter, stronger, more energetic, better looking, and thinks. But I'll let her be the judge of that. She doesn't want to be offensive, so she's got to say the right thing. And, uh, but what happens is this, is that I find with a lot of people, they love to focus on either one or two of those three areas rather than the whole three. So, so some of you are here, that's it, you are committed to being physically healthy. That's awesome. And you train and you eat right and you get everything in order. Well, what about emotional health and spiritual health? How emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy are you? Then you've got other people like me that, oh man, that's so important for me to be spiritually healthy and emotionally healthy, but neglected physical health. We've got to get the whole three balanced out. And so this morning, I'm focusing on emotional health because you can't carry offense and think that you're emotionally healthy. No, you are not. If you are carrying offense, that offense is weighing you down and you are losing emotional health. Let me tell you what an important virtue of a Christian is. Here it is. Are you ready? One of the great virtues of a Christian is the virtue of forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Because I really believe that the answer to offense is forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. How many of you, how many of you know this scripture? Because it's found in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then it goes on and it says in verse 12, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How many of you can see the link between the first part of the verse and the second part of the verse? As. That word as joins the first part of the verse to the second part of our verse. Let, let, let me rephrase it. And Lord, whatever you do, 
don't forgive me my debts if I don't forgive other people's debts. What? What sort of a prayer is that? Every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, that's what you're praying. No, 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 I just press the automatic button and that's what I get to. Well, that's exactly what you're saying. You're saying to the degree that I forgive others, God, you forgive me. And so what we've got to do to, to, to live unoffendable is to live forgiving people. And the best way to forgive people is to be conscious that you too need forgiveness, that you too have done things that are wrong, and that you, when you go to God and say, God, please forgive me for my wrongs, God says, absolutely, I want to, but as I do to you, you go and do to others. Oh, but God, you've got no idea what they've done. Uh, excuse me, this is God you're talking to. He knows everything. Of course he does. He doesn't ask you to do something that you're not able to do. Because forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. I, I don't know if every single day I feel like forgiving anybody. That guy that cuts me off when I'm driving, I've got to put my foot on the brake. I tell you, the Italian in me rises. The Godfather. Man, I'll fix you. And, and, and my first thought is, I'll tailgate him. I'll, I'll, what I'll do, I'll overtake him and cut him off as well. Whatever. And I just said, hey, John, that's just stupid. Wait, just grow up. Be a man. What do you need to do? Just let him in. Smile. You say, where do you get that? Well, just out of a revelation that, you know what? If God forgives me, I need to forgive others as well. I love this verse in, in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There's the connection between the two. Just saying, look, do you want God to forgive you? Yes, I do. Well, then forgive others. And then Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, says this, bearing with one another. I love that word bearing. What's that mean? It means just being patient with one another. Come on, push the patience button and make it happen in your life. Be patient with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ has forgiven you, you so almost, you so also must do. It's not even a suggestion, it's a command. So forgiveness is the key. Then Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says, Be careful lest the root of bitterness spring up. And the root of bitterness causes trouble. See, unforgiveness is the link to the key of bitterness. If you don't forgive someone, it's got the potential of turning sour. And when it turns sour, then the root of bitterness spring up. And the Bible says that the root of bitterness causes trouble and through it many become defiled have you i mean we see feuds you, you, you know you, you, we talk about the deep south with a, a family of feuds what are the two families that have had feuds for over 100 years? is it the mcavoys and what are, what anyway doesn't matter and and, and it started of us you know an offense over a little pig can you believe it? Someone got offended over a little pig and then they're killing each other for a hundred years over one offense. See, that's where an offense defiles many. Well, we're not talking to the Joneses anymore. Why is that? Well, because of this, that, and the other. So I'm offended and because I'm offended, you will take up my offense and you'll be offended on my behalf. 
What is that? That's the root of bitterness and it just defiles everybody. Don't go there. Why would you want that in your life? It causes trouble and it defiles. Watch out for the root of bitterness. It causes trouble and defiles. And the best way to overcome is to forgive. forgive. Everybody say, I forgive you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I forgive you. Now you're wondering, what did I do? What did I do to cause that unforgiveness to flow? Well, hey, it's about probably what you're going to do later on in the day. I don't know, but uh, what a wonderful thing to, to have at least one thing forgiven already. Let me finish. I told you what I did to overcome that, that offense in my life. Remember? Let me finish by saying this. The way that I overcame my offense problem was this. Number one, I realized that my offense was causing me hurt. I was getting hurt by being offended. I was actually damaging my relationship. And that's got to be a wake-up call to understand that your offense does you more damage than the person to whom the offense, who offended you. More often than not, the person that offended you doesn't even know they've offended you and they're just going through life. La, 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 la. And you're... And they're la, 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 la. And you're boiling on the inside. It's causing you damage. You're the one that's drinking poison, thinking I'm hoping the other person will die from it. I need to realize maybe I'm the one dying from it. Second thing that I realized was this, that my behavior was ungodly. What was I doing? What was I thinking? As a pastor, shutting my wife down, what was all that about? That's ungodly behavior. That's not, that's not what God expects of me, nor should, what I should expect of myself, nor what you should expect of me. That's ungodly behavior. Now, I don't want to live life behaving one way in front of people and another way behind people. I want to live life incongruity, just congruous, just everything lining up. In public, in secret, just one life, godly, godly behavior. The third thing that I realized was that me getting offended was actually the bait of Satan. It was a trap that the enemy had lined up for me to stop me from flying to the heights that God wanted me to fly to. But not only that, the bait of Satan actually gives him an accusation against you. Well, how does that work? Well, follow me with this because I'm nearly finished here. The Bible calls the enemy the accuser of the brethren, who's constantly looking to accuse you. And so here I am, offended by my wife, cutting her off, giving her the silent treatment, and Satan then has got this accusation against me. Hey, Father, let me talk to you about John Giuliano. Yeah? He's got unforgiveness towards his wife. He's offended against his wife. How can you forgive him if he can't forgive her? And you know what? There's no defense to that accusation. So Jesus, who's my defender, 
can't defend me. Why? Because I've actually given the enemy an accusation against me. And so something happens in my spirituality. So now, not only am I emotionally carrying something, I'm also spiritually carrying something that I ought not to. What is that? The enemy's laid a trap. I've fallen into the trap. He's, he's laid this beautiful little bait saying, Hey, John, she's offended you. You need to hit back. You need to do something to complain. You need to do something to let her know that you're not happy with this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm trapped. Then, then you're trying to pray. You're trying to worship. And it's just how do I do this? There's an accusation against you. You need to deal with it. You need to say, I am going to break this trap. I'm going to live my life unoffendable. If anybody does something against me, I'm going to forgive because it does me more damage than anybody else to live life offended. It's the bait of Satan. It's the trap of Satan. And it actually gives him an accusation against me. Then finally, oh, sorry, two more points. You know, i tell you what else I realized. I realized that being easily offended, the Bible defined as being a weaker brother. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks about, oh, be careful that you don't do this and the other in case you cause your weaker brother to stumble. These, these weak Christians that, that are offended over anything. I thought, I don't want to be a weak Christian. If the Bible defines a weak Christian, someone who gets easily offended, I don't want to be a weak Christian. I'm, therefore, the way to not be a weak Christian is not to be easily offended. So if you're easily offended, the Bible defines you as a weak Christian. Now, it's not that you lose your salvation necessarily, but you're just weak. So do you want to live life weak? Or do you want to live life strong? And it's like, you can read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Weak Christians are the ones that stumble easily. And then number five, I just made a decision that I wasn't going to get offended anymore. And Anne just cheered and shouted and said, about time you made a decision. Make a decision. Make a decision that people may offend you, but you're not going to live offended. It's your decision. It's your, but I don't feel like it. There are too many decisions that we make in life that have got nothing to do with feelings. It's the right thing to do. And so strong people, they don't live their life governed by feelings. They live their life governed by what is the right thing to do. And in this case, this is the right thing to do. Offense is something only you can decide to carry. Nobody can make you carry it. Offense is your decision. You either pick it up and you put it on your shoulders and you go through life carrying it. Or you say, oh, I know what that is. That's the bait of Satan. I'm going to walk right around that baby, not touch it, and walk through life free from offense. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.
Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 